0: You know, this is usually where, um, you like introduce the podcast or like if there's like guests on you like just cut in to chatting and it's very natural. And the hardest part about podcasting is the start of it, especially when you're by yourself in a room, um, with, um, pretty much nothing else in it. It's, uh. You know, it, it can it can feel a little stale, a little stiff. You gotta, like, shake it out. So this is, like, my fifth time, uh, hit and record. And then every time, I would just, like, sit there and usually just groan for a bit. Um, but, uh, welcome to Dairy Section. Episode number three, Vietnam 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um... Yeah, so I was in Vietnam for the last two weeks about, I got back two days ago, um, but I was just absolutely fucked with jet lag, and also didn't help myself by drinking a two-six of vodka over the last two days, but I was just really happy to be around people that um, uh, spoke English when I was drinking, and not that there's nobody who doesn't speak English in Vietnam, but... For a number of reasons that I'm going to lay out, uh, I didn't encounter all that many people who had conversational English. So I flew there, um, flew there with my parents, Uh, bless their hearts, Uh, love them to death. Uh, Neither of them travel all that much, and by travel all that much, I think. This is the first time they have left the continent of North America in almost 40 years. That's not even an exaggeration. I think 37 years ago, they went to Australia. And that was like, that's it. <laughs> that's, uh, so uh, I went with them because, not that I'm some sort of world traveler, but I know how to work an iPhone. Better than they do, so help them on the whole travel experience. And a slight oversight by myself is that uh, my mother booked the flights, and so um, she did it online. And uh, sometimes I think my parents forget that they're not Depression era Dust Bowl rats, um, which they sort of act like. So they she booked like the like nineteen year old backpacker flights. So we ended up sleeping in the Hanoi airport for six hours, from like midnight to six a.m. And I had to go bushwhack to find the domestic terminal because obviously we flew in internationally, and then we connected down to Ho Chi Minh City, which I will also interchange with Saigon because that's the old name for it. And when I was there. I uh, began calling it Saigon because lots of the things are still called Saigon and it's just a better name than Ho Chi Minh City. Um, I don't live in Vietnam, so I can say that, but I'm pretty sure if you told the government, the communist government, that Ho Chi Minh City is a sort of shit name, they'd fucking, they'd at least beat your ass. So. Uh, yeah, flew in from Hanoi after just getting absolutely shit fucked uh, with flights like two three layovers uh, uh, Got to check out Tokyo Narita Airport though, which is a super cool airport. So if you do have a layover there, it's right now They're all like uh, anal about COVID. Um But because we weren't entering Japan they literally just like mousetrap rushed us through the airport Uh, but Japan has a really nice even in the brief time I was there a really nice polite professional culture to it and of course I got the sanitized version being in an airport and stuff but from my limited reading on it it's that it seems like there's a lot of mutual respect and 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 like a sense of uh, duty to society that is an undercurrent in Japanese culture Uh, but I don't want to talk about that anymore I'm not some fucking weeb so um, I wrote down some talking points. That's how serious I am about this whole, uh, podcast these days. Um, so, uh, let's see what I got here. Uh, I was in Ho Chi Minh City, like I was talking about. Uh, I was staying in District 1, which is, which is almost where everyone stays. I mean, it's a massive city. I did not look up how many districts it actually has. Uh, but just under 10 million people live there. Um... So it's bigger than any city here in Canada. Uh, that being said, physically, the, the land size is a lot less than, say, Toronto. Uh, Toronto's 8 million people, the greater Toronto area, which um, also because it comes up against the the lake there in Toronto, sort of extends in three directions, not four. Uh, and I don't know if if anyone in the audience has been to Toronto. Uh, especially if you've been up the CN Tower on a clear day, um, it's just a fucking massive city. like for uh, as far as the eye can see, it seems like there's city. Uh, in reality that's probably not that true but I think you can see like I don't know I'm pulling this out of my ass, but you can probably see like 30 kilometers in each direction and uh, it's just uh, like there's downtown and then there's just suburbs and you can see the TTC train there sneaking up towards york and stuff and it's just massive so saigon is not really like that as much uh, admittedly didn't drive around it at all um, didn't have the nuts to do it because uh, uh vietnamese traffic especially in saigon is just fucked uh, you get used to it or at least if you're like adaptable and physically fit you get used to it uh, I wouldn't want to be someone with mobility issues in Vietnam at all. It, um, so, uh, yeah, I didn't want to drive around there. Uh, I took, there's a app, uh, application called Grab. Uh, it's essentially like Uber plus Uber Eats plus like, it even rolls in like Expedia-esque features and all, all stuff. They call it Grab Super App. Uh, services 670 million people a day in Southeast Asia across, I think it said the Philippines, Malaysia, Indonesia, Vietnam, Cambodia. Um, I don't think Myanmar is really in a place to be using apps right now. So Although I have no fucking idea what's going on, but apparently bad shit. Um, yeah, anyway, this app. You can take a uh, everyone has scooters there and by everyone I mean like it's almost like the Vietnamese people have fused to their scooters to become some sort of mech unit um, where they operate like walking, no joke walking like a kilometer for them in town it's just unheard of they watch the white people do it and they just fucking laugh like they're just like what are you doing just like rent a scooter or like get a grab and I love walking, uh, helps me think, helps me feel, you know, present in the moment or whatever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I would say this is a massive generalization, but it's my podcast, so get to make those. Um, Vietnamese people fucking do not like walking. Um, and uh, traffic there, there's a couple videos that you can just look up, like how to cross the street in Vietnam or, or crossing the street in Saigon. And uh that's exactly what it's like. Those are not exaggerations, those are not like some sort of one off during like events. It's just it's uh Vietnam's sort of notorious even among Southeast Asian countries for, for having the craziest traffic and uh I fucked with it. Like after a while it's just like, yeah, like you just sort of cross the street, cars are whipping past you and stuff. You just like keep your head high, move at a you know, good clip. Uh, people are going to honk at you if you hear like them laying on the horn, that means you're going to get fucked. So little beeps, those are just like, those are like bat echolocation. You just, they're all letting you know where you are and you're, you're letting your, especially because I'm fucking, uh, wonder Bread white. They honk for my sake, you know, they're like, Oh, this dude doesn't know how to cross the fucking street. Uh, didn't get hit. Saw a couple pretty sketchy things Like the incident rate of traffic issues There is is higher per capita Than it is uh, in Canada Uh, We looked up the stats Me and my family were there I don't remember it You can look it up Probably you won't Because it's boring as fuck But like There's a lot of like Collisions and stuff But for the amount of traffic That they process with uh, In the streets of Saigon With so little uh, There's basically Non-existent public transit That's why everyone has scooters Um the amount of traffic flow that they have is just incredible. And, uh, it just, it it really is like, uh, water. That's the best way to the best analogy for is like water flowing through pipes. Like it's very fluid. And only in the, uh, I was there for my brother's wedding. Uh, congratulations to my brother. Um, and, uh, Only on Friday night, the night of his wedding, when we were going through a very, um, very busy uh, area uh, that combined like nightlife and events and theaters and stuff, did we come to standstill traffic. Uh, Even in rush hour, it was a little less busy. On our way out to the airport, we went out in rush hour traffic and uh, it was not as bad. Uh, And it's getting better all the time. Vietnam is one of the two fastest growing economies in the world, I was told the other one being ireland but apparently that's fake because ireland like has no corporate tax so they don't remit any of their there's no remittance of funds from the the growing economy just poaching uh businesses from the eu or whatever i don't really know that either i don't care about that either ireland seems like a vibe that's actually where i want to go next if i'm to get on a plane um But yeah, traffic's wild in Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, I also went to uh, uh, Vung Tao, which is uh, this beach resort town. Uh, It's a two-hour ferry ride or about an uh, an hour and a half drive. Um, If the traffic is bad, it could be up to two and a half hours, I'm sure. And if there was like in the middle of the night, you could probably do it in an hour. uh, especially I was talking about the grab thing I never finished it but you can grab these scooters grab these scooters that's why they named it that or you can get a car and it's, it's just like uber and it's dirt cheap especially for it's 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 used domestically by a lot of Vietnamese individuals uh, especially the scooter option uh, and so that's uh, it keeps the price down like it's not um, they're not gouging you uh, and if you are traveling Southeast Asia, you have to get a grab. It's just a must do. And if you're brave enough and you're comfortable on a scooter, take one of the grab bikes. Uh, get some Vietnamese guy to just fucking whip you around the city. Cost you like three dollars to go like ten kilometers. It's just wild. Um, so anyway, in Vung Tau, you could take a grab there or whatever. We did take a grab back from Vung Tau and end up being one point five million dong. No, one point three million dong. Uh, which is about, it's roughly $57 for a million dong, $57 Canadian. So, um, it was like, I don't know, do the math on that for me. Uh, I can do it right now. Let's just say it's 60 for a million and there's, it's like 78. So it's like 75 bucks to go like, I don't know, 60 some kilometers. So it's like, Yeah. And Vung Tao there was a lot less tourism. And in general, I wasn't there during a very touristy time. I was there in quote-unquote rainy season, although it was really hot and clear for the majority of my trip. Um, most of the locals in Ho Chi Minh City and Vung Tao said that that is not usual, that we got lucky, quote-unquote. I would have liked some rain. It was like 30-fucking-5 every day and super humid, but that's just – I know a lot of people love the sun. They love to soak up the sun. But we were hitting indexes of – a UV indexes of 11 – a couple times which is just like laser beam sun is the laser and it's frying you uh, and um, the Vietnamese people are very mindful of the sun uh, the, uh, the uh, that's a generalization as well but one that holds up especially in Saigon a lot of people cover up from the sun uh, and so we took uh, note of that as as tourists as white tourists we didn't want to get super burnt um, and in Vang Tao uh, there's about Generally, there's there's a tourist side and a non-tourist side. Uh, about 500,000 people in Vung Tao. Uh, so, not huge. But uh, I really enjoyed it there. It was a lot less crazy busy than uh, Saigon. Um, so, highly recommend checking that out if you're in Saigon, if you're in the south of Vietnam. Uh, but um, there was this culture that I ran into in Vung Tao that I wanted to talk about. That I was only a little bit aware of but um i didn't realize like how how much of a stereotype these individuals fell into and and like how palpable it was in a smaller place like uh Vung Tau versus uh Ho Chi Minh City Ho Chi Minh City is so diverse and and vibrant in a lot of ways like you know you have uh it's 25% of the entire economy of Vietnam comes from Ho Chi Minh City And you have like tens of thousands of street vendors, and then you have bankers, and you have uh, restaurants, and so many restaurants, and uh, you have all these different um, industries interacting. And so, uh, you do not have some sort of monoculture arise or or some dichotomy. But in Vung Tau, because it's so much smaller and much more tourism focused, there's a lot of uh, domestic tourists, uh, domestic Vietnamese tourists who. You know, bringing their family to the beach, uh, and you know they're booking a a hotel, and they're having a a killer time eating fresh seafood. Uh, It'd be a lot like Albertans going to Victoria, Uh, and then you have um, expat bars, which are generally older, uh, exclusively from what I saw, white. But I'm sure that there's some non-white, non-Vietnamese individuals who do it too, but. Uh, these expat bars are like, they're just wild. Uh, People, uh, um, dudes named, like, Doug and, like, Gary, who just fucking didn't make it, just didn't make the cut in North America with their social skills or with their, uh, yeah, ability to, to connect. Or maybe they... They all say, Doug and Gary, they all say that they just love the weather down there. But they all have Vietnamese wives who are like 30 years younger than them and who barely speak English for the most part. Um, And it's just like, no, no, no. You like the fact that these women um, uh, have chosen to be with you for some financial reasons because they don't want to live in, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people in Vietnam live in poverty and so uh, Vietnamese women can if they choose to uh, uh, date men who or date or marry men who are more financially able from the western world uh, to bring them out of poverty at the cost of you know whatever it might be a sexual relationship or uh, you know even just a platonic relationship that's for appearances or companionship or whatever I'm not asking these dudes what they're doing uh, and then there's even more degenerate ones who go there uh, who I ran into literally tens of who who come to Vietnam and drink in bars and pay uh, sex workers uh, regularly um, blurring the lines really of sex work sometimes and then other times it's a more traditional escort style thing but from what I picked up is that I think a lot of even the marriages between older men and Vietnamese women, there is this implicit undertone that if the money runs out, then she leaves for another guy. And it was just the worst vibe. Like I got the worst fucking vibes from it. Like I ate in one of the expat bars when I first got to Vung Tau, And uh, yeah, it was, it was like 2 PM on a Saturday, beautiful, bright, sunny day there was this RC car race, which was fucking cool as as shit. Like it was like legitimately amazing. These guys were drifting these cars, doing like 30 in these tight little things. Uh, A lot of domestic tourists there, a lot of little kids and stuff checking out, super cool. But it was really hot that day and really sunny. And so I uh, needed to escape and I needed food and beer. And so, and cigs, because that's what you do there is you smoke and drink and eat. Uh, so I go to this bar and I the the owner was there and the owner was he was fine or whatever he was married to a Vietnamese woman and they owned the bar together Uh, but he seemed less creepy or whatever than the average guy but there was no joke like six fucking cookie cutter old scaly white alcoholic men sitting at the bar and no one else in there it was just like 40, 50, and 60 year old guys who look 50, 60, and 70 due to hard lives of of smoking fucking John Players and, and crushing Bud Light. Um, Yeah, just there, you know, commiserating. Just talking about how, like, shit ain't the same because of COVID and, you know, all this bullshit. I just, I don't know. I'm, for, for those who don't know in my audience, I was a bartender for... The last three years and I just fucking hate bar guys old bar men are just they're like so I fucking so gross all they do is just talk about how hot the servers are and stuff and in Vietnam it's twisted to being like oh I had sex with this like questionably aged girl last night here's her name you should go have sex with her and it costs this much like that was very much the the vibes so, yeah, horrible, and there's uh tens of these bars in Vung Tao, like uh it was and you just see all these fucking dudes, and it, I don't know it's super creepy uh if someone just like loves going to Southeast Asia and just like they're like maybe aging out of the time that you're gonna do full moon parties and whippets on the beach, you know, like they're going there, you know, just just cast a wary eye at', them just be like, why are you going there? What's your motivation, you know? They have prostitutes in North America too, you know? Just like, just I just worry that there's a lot of sexual exploitation of, of especially younger women. But of course there's a power dynamic there. And like, I'm not some fucking little bitch. Like, I know a lot of sex workers know what they're doing. And they they want to make that fucking money. And that's sweet. But there's a lot of uh, possible exploitation because foreigners hold a lot of power in, in Vietnam because tourism is so important to the economy, so it's just an icky situation, Uh, I don't like it, so fucking gross. Uh, In general, um, uh, though, uh, my experience with Vietnamese men and women on an average uh, day-to-day interaction um, was overwhelmingly positive. Uh, There's a a bunch of these tourism guides, they're written for uh, people like my parents who are You know really scared of like spicy food and like hot air so um they have like oh there's pickpockets everywhere and there's people trying to scam you and and the only thing that i really like encountered in terms of of uncomfortableness was like at the airports and the in the markets like people are definitely gonna like tell you like oh come over and buy this or like you need a taxi cab like i'm the best taxi and stuff it's like no just don't be an idiot like like, I told you guys about Grab, but, like, when it comes to, like, being at a market, of course they're going to tell you that it's fucking twice as much than you should pay. Like, what are you, stupid? you never been to Mexico? So I don't really like all those. This is, like, a travel guide, but I assume you're not fucking retarded. Um, so, but the one thing that I was surprised about is that the English ability, like, the general uh, English ability in the population was lower than I thought it would be for the tourism areas I was in. But that being said, it's we're fresh off covid. A lot of people probably had to leave the hospitality industry who were more skilled in English. Additionally, anyone who gets quite conversational in English has a lot more business opportunity there in in Vietnam. And so why would you work at, you know, I don't know. I was I they have Oh man, I gotta get in the convenience stores. But I was in a Seven Eleven there, and there's this guy who had excellent English. And I was talking to him. I was like, you know, you have really good English. He's like, oh, I'm just learning. I was like, no, no, like, unironically, you have like the best conversational English that I've encountered here in Vietnam. And obviously, the guy worked worked for it, and and he was really proud of it. And I wasn't trying to like just pump him up. I was just like, damn, like made me realize that like I hadn't had like a genuine conversation with someone in Vietnam. At all, other than my sister-in-law, who is uh, Vietnamese, uh, but lived in Canada for the last, like, I don't know, 15, twelve years or something. And oh man, Vietnamese is a difficult language, and I have a lot of sympathy why translating from from their language to English is is remarkably difficult. Um, there's a lot of nuance there. I'm not really going to get into Vietnamese linguistics because I don't know, fuck all. Um, but all you need to know is that like. I think it's like I think the examples like rock, ice, throw, and like something else crazy are all the same word, like without any differential, and it all re- relies on context and a lot of accent use and like little like tails off the a's and stuff. It's wild. Uh, I couldn't pick up any of it. It was so fast and stuff. And I'm not even I'm not great at languages or anything, but I'm not horrible. It was just like uh, it's a it's notoriously a difficult language, so. Uh, if you, um, that being said, my, my cousin is still there and he's in the North and he suggested that in the more touristy parts of the North, which see a lot more, uh, tourism per capita, like Hanoi or, uh, yeah, like Hanoi, uh, Hoi An, uh, I think even Da Nang, like those are, uh, places that, uh, most of the local economy relies on tourism. So people's, uh, English skills have, Uh, surpass that of I would say the average Ho Chi Minh City resident because they don't you know there's the hospitality industry side of things and uh, there's a couple guys I met at bars who ran bars or whatever who had great English but yeah you go to a street vendor or whatever they're gonna know a couple things but so just get good with uh I'm, I'm saying this like like this doesn't necessarily need to be a travel guide but whatever all I'm saying is that you gotta be good with body language and a lot of pointing, uh, and that bothered me. I'll be honest, but that's just because I'm stupid and inexperienced experienced traveler. Um, that's what I got here on this uh, these talking points. Oh, talking about the street food, holy! That's um, if I if you were to ask me what I missed from Vietnam, God, I really like Vietnamese food. Um, it's just it's incredible. Uh, I don't really like soup. Like, I just don't really fuck with soup. Vietnam totally changed my mind on that. Like, I don't know, I think it's called pho. I think that's how you pronounce it. I never had it in Canada. I ate a lot of it there, but also just, like, I ate a bunch of street food that I had no idea, like, what it was. Like, I don't think it was pho, because, like, pho is, like, definitely, like, a specific type of fucking dish. Uh, I would just go to the street food vendors and just be like, Whatever. And I got a lot of soup, and it was always banging. A lot of um, a lot of seafood, a lot of chicken. They got beef, like uh, uh, uh. Generally, it's like a beef pate sausage thing, uh. But they also have like, just like chopped up beef, like chuck and stuff. It's really really good food. Um, and then banh mi, which is like, the a, uh, traditional, um, it's, it's South Asian like flavors in a French baguette because Vietnam was a French colonial holding for a long time uh, banh mi is just like a fucking banging good sandwich uh, with um, some variation but you can get it everywhere it's it's dirt cheap a lot of people eat it for breakfast there just uh, pick one up on the side of the road or whatever they're like you can get them for as cheap as 20,000 dong which is like less than a dollar twenty I eat like like no joke I eat like four in one sitting because I'm like twice the weight of most Vietnamese men so uh, I ordered four and the guy was like yeah yeah you want four you old pig and he like sat me down on a little plastic table and just fucking dished him up and I just crushed him I was horribly hungover most days there um, and people are happy in Vietnam like maybe it's all for show for the tourists but I don't think so I think that this is something that's discussed in Uh, pop culture and I don't know, I've seen it on fucking Reddit and Facebook and shit like this, but like you know, when you have less uh, some societies are generally happier than western societies like, I would say that we are at a time here in the western world and in North America and Europe right now lots of shit's going on Uh, and I want to expand on that a little bit later but uh, not in a serious way Like I don't want to talk about politics Don't get me wrong I just want to expand on this this comparison But I don't know how true it is Like how deep that happiness is Or if it's just contentment Or if it's just laughs and smiles For laughs and smiles sake But Vietnamese people party hard uh, I don't know how hard they work I got conflicting reports on that From local Vietnamese people From research I did But um, at any rate The whole work hard play hard culture It, it appeared to me uh, on the surface, but like, man, lots of music, lots of drinking beers, uh, lots of laughs, you know, on a day-to-day basis here in the streets, people are smiling, people are welcoming to each other, like, it was honestly so refreshing compared to, I was living in Victoria before this, Victoria, British Columbia, man, fuck that place, like straight up Victoria, go fuck yourself, and Vancouver too, they call it the, the Pacific Northwest Chill, or the uh, West Coast Chill. Or PNW chill or or cold shoulder and Seattle has it, Portland has it, um uh Vancouver has it, and Victoria has it, and oh man, is it palpable? And then coming here to Edmonton, Edmonton was even like wh- so much friendlier. Like I was just right off the bat, I was like, wow, people like hold doors for you here and like aren't just outright cunts all the time. And going to uh Vietnam was just like it, it's like that, but more. Uh a lot of the the things that you come to expect for, for politeness here in Canada don't translate there, like holding doors and stuff. That's not like really a custom. Saying thank you is not that, like, uh, that, that being said, there's a language barrier thing there. But like saying thank you is not as important in Vietnamese culture. Um, you can generally be a bit more blunt. Uh, but in terms of like, just like, I don't know, I go to a restaurant, I order, you know, food or whatever, sit there. People uh, would wave and smile, and I, I know that I'm a tourist, and that especially in Vung Tau, people just wanted photos with me because I'm a fucking big hairy bitch. Uh, but it was it was great. Like I, I observed among locals, too, a lot of camaraderie. Uh, the there were, we were next to an all boys school, which I think a lot of education is private in Vietnam, and so this was I think one of the higher end schools. And they let out for lunch every day and all of the boys were just being boys, you know, just like roughhousing with each other and they're all smoking cigarettes at like 13, but like fucking rock on dude, like that's the culture. Uh, and they're like, yeah, smoking cigs and eating food and just chilling and it, it, it looked um, it looked happy. So I, I don't know, go interview Vietnamese people if you want more on that. Uh, but I would just say on a day to day basis, there's more happiness, more contentment, more laughter. Oh, and karaoke, man. So many people just bang karaoke in their house and stuff, and it's like going out into the street, and everyone can hear it. And it's just major vibes. Like Tuesday night, like six old men getting schlitzed, sitting on the floor singing fucking karaoke. is just like that's food for the soul for me. I was just walking past. and like, I want to be in there. I can't sing your karaoke, but I want to be in there pounding fucking beers with you boys. Uh, but while I was there, I will fully admit I missed a lot of things about Canada. Uh, it's too fucking hot in Vietnam for me. Uh, I was just wilting. It was super humid. The air quality is not great. Like, it's not horrible. It wasn't bad while we were there, but, you know, I'm just sweating all the time. Uh, uh, my, my skin was not happy with me. Um, and, uh... There's the obvious, more overarching, like, oh, there's like a more authoritarian government and stuff there. But I think if, as a white person, if you ever wanted to move there, that would be a sort of a non-factor if you just kept your head out of politics because there's a lot of, you know, like I was saying earlier, tours are really important, foreign investment's really important. So they don't want to penalize you. Just don't break the law. Don't do fucking drugs in Vietnam. Um, you can drink. In fact, they sell. Vodka for $9 for 700 milliliters at every 7-Eleven and it's not bad like I was just crushing vodka uh, And there's beer everywhere and everyone drinks beer at lunch and stuff like nobody cares so you can drink uh, but stimulants carry a pretty hefty uh, I think it's uh, uh, The death penalty Uh, Marijuana is a serious uh, issue there like you don't want to be like we were walking down Bouvain which is I'm probably butchering that uh, Bouvain which is, like, the big party walking street in Saigon. And they say walking street, but it still has fuckloads of uh, scooters on it. Uh, Someone offered us drugs, and it was just, like, the exact sketchy dude that you would think is offering you drugs. Like, you don't want any of that. You don't know what it's cut with. So, um, yeah, that would just be my advice. Don't do drugs there. But, uh, yeah. uh, Anyway, when I was there, I really missed how, like, fresh and clean the air here is in canada aside from all those dang forest fires uh but ironically while we were in well we were in vietnam there was a bunch of smoke all over british columbia and alberta so the air quality was better in vietnam than it was in bc and alberta but you know 11 months out of the year canada's like just you know nice it's crisp and uh man it was so nice to not have the like i stepped off the plane and uh in Edmonton it was just I just cold deep breath of air and I just woke me up I felt good um, and then the other thing that you really take for granted here in Canada is infrastructure and regulations of infrastructure uh, sidewalks is the big one like everything's just fucked in Vietnam like just like sidewalks will just be missing with no signage you just like fall down a fucking hole or something they will run construction with not appropriate barriers put up such that you could walk into an excavator just scooping your fucking brains out of your head. Uh, So you have to not... Like, you literally just, like... Just, you can't be a retard because there's not, like, retard barriers in place. Uh, Like, a car will fucking... A bus will straight hit you in Vietnam, not feel bad, and they will kill you. Like, they, they will try and hit you harder so they don't have to pay your medical bills. Um... Uh, and then in our quote unquote classy hotel, which was like a hundred bucks a night. So that's quite expensive as compared to, uh, like what the average Vietnamese per, I think these are out of date figures. I looked it up, but $200 USD a month for the median income of a Vietnamese individual. That's definitely out of date, uh, due to inflation and, uh, economic development there. But, um, certainly the average Vietnamese citizen wouldn't dream of spending a hundred dollars a night on a hotel hundred dollars Canadian um anyway at our quote-unquote classy hotel uh there's just like a lot of like the stairs just like like they would have like trim like the safety trim on stairs and then one would just be missing it would be like dark like dark wood or whatever so just look like a you know it you just like subconsciously you're so used to seeing like safety regulations over slips, trips, and falls hazards in North America that, like, I just fucking ate shit. I was drunk, but I still ate shit. Way more there than I ever ever have in Canada. And, uh, I get it. Like, I get why we're so, like, you gotta fucking label your stairs. You gotta label changes in elevation. Like, watch your step. That shit's important. Um, because I'm a retard, and there's no retard-proofing, uh, in Vietnam. Uh... What else we got here? Oh, as a um, talking about the flights earlier, uh, I flew Air Canada. Fuck Air Canada. Uh, I also flew ANA, Asiana Airlines, uh, Korean Air, and Vietnam Airlines. Uh, every single Asian carrier was better than Air Canada. We're getting fucked here in Canada. Uh, but I had a little um, interesting. Uh, Observation when I was flying Air Canada, they got those little safety systems on the back of the, um, on the back of the seats, and if you like select cities in Canada, they've got uh, all the like places to see or whatever, you know. And I was just curious who's writing the guides, because like the guides for Edmonton and Calgary are just fucking garbage. Uh, They I think both of them just mentioned Gravity Pope, which is like the one designer label that came out of, uh, I think it's out of Edmonton and then moved to Calgary Next or whatever, like their next store was in Calgary. But they're both like, you got to go to Gravity Pope. Um, From what little I know about Gravity Pope, it's just like really expensive designer clothes made by some fucking person. I don't get designer clothes, so don't listen to me. Also, man, Vietnam's hilarious. Everyone just wears, like, fake Gucci and fake Balenciaga and stuff, and it really dilutes the fact, like, you're there and everyone's just pimped out in, in, in like, good fakes, uh, Louis Vuitton fakes and stuff, and it's just like, man, who the fuck is spending money on some shitty logo? Like, maybe I'll get hate for that, but honestly, grow up. This is not, like, like there were so many fake Supreme collab north face duffel bags there that like literally people were just like they were everywhere and uh they're probably literally legit ones because a lot of textiles are made in vietnam uh and uh i don't know just like it was it was funny to see the things that we we uh we want so much in north america it's just like whatever really really fucked up priorities there i think we have um I think in conclusion, uh, what what time are we at here, 38 minutes, a little bit a shorter one but I've still been yelling at a mic for 40 minutes straight. Um, Would I go again? Yes but not to Ho Chi Minh City or Vung Tao. Um, I would go north, um, Hanoi, uh, Hoi An, Da Nang, Da Nang Central I guess, Uh, but you can... You can rent motorcycles and scooters for, for very economical prices all over uh, Vietnam, but you can motorbike around the coast and the mountains in the north quite a bit easier than you can in the south, and there's less population density, and uh, I have family members who did that, and I have family members who are currently doing that again right now. That just seems way more my speed. Also, it's not as hot up north. <clears throat> Even in the winter wintertime, uh, in the most northern mountains, there'll be dustings of snow. So that would be really cool, I think. And it's super lush green rainforest up into temperate rainforest, and um, that's what I would be interested in doing. Uh, I would roll it into a more, like overall Southeast Asia trip because the flights are, you know, flights are the major cost and I, my ankles swell up like a fucking 76 year old woman when I fly, like I just get fucked up by sitting still for for nine hours at a time. Um, So yeah, I would do, you know, I do Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand and maybe even Australia and Japan all on the same trip. Uh, but definitely do a lot of motorbiking in Vietnam. It's set up for it. sounds super cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you have any questions about um, it, you can send me emails. It. <laughs> if you have any questions about Vietnam uh, or the podcast in general, or topic suggestions, please. God send me some topic suggestions. Um, or you want to be a guest, uh, email me at shea tv at gmail dot com. That's s h e a m c k e n z i e t v as in television at gmail.com. Uh, or just. Whatever, reach out. The only uh, emails I've gotten so far are uh, inquiries about Bionicles. So thank you, Nolan. Um, I honestly might do a Bionicle episode because I'm already uh, running into creative issues. But that's because I'm uh, f- struggle with focus and. Secondly, uh, if you have any complaints, please reach out and send me. I know a lot of you probably don't like that I use the word retard. If you don't like me using the word retard, you should send me an email and we can talk about it. Um, and what else we got? Uh, I'm going to try and do as uh, many podcasts as it seems reasonable. Uh, this is the third one. Uh, I've got some super, super sick news. I broke top 100 in Canada. So thank you everyone. Genuinely thank you. That's cool. Top 100 for comedy interviews. Um, Believe it or not, it's really not that hard to break top 100. But it's a little bit of a like a. I was just like, okay, people are you know at least listening, and that's uh, nice um, to have a little bit of recognition. But also, just uh, I know that it's just a lot of my friends and family. uh, But there's a lot of people um, in the states uh, who are listening, and so I'd I'd be happy to do some information on the states if you guys want to send me an email. Uh, I love digging into stuff. I think I've got a, a good idea of what's interesting. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for listening to Dairy Section episode number three, Vietnam, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back soon.